Welcome to the Menopause Conversations podcast. My name's Angela Council and I'm your host for this podcast and this is where you learn all about menopause, what is happening to your body, to your hormones and life in general. Everything is changing and sometimes it can seem really, really confusing, but this is where the confusion stops right now. This podcast will share with you everything you need to know about how you can navigate your menopause transition with ease. So sit back and enjoy the show. Bye for now. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of Menopause Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Council, your host for this podcast. And this week I thought I would touch on the topic of diet culture and the impact that it has on menopause. Now, if you're a woman who is anywhere in the within the menopause transition, so basically 40 and above, you probably grew up in an era of low fat, low carbs, going on all these various diets to lose weight. And what you probably don't realize is that it's actually impacting the way that you're moving through your menopause transition right now. It has a plays a really big role. Now, Many people will know that I run a program where I support women through this menopause transition. And the majority of women who come onto my Embrace program are looking to lose weight. And sometimes I get slammed a little bit about this, you know, saying, oh, well, you know, you're you're per perpetrating the diet culture that we need to look a certain way. And that's actually not true because my program is not a diet. Um, it's really teaching women to reconnect back to their bodies and listen to their bodies and um, get their hormones back in balance by really understanding how their bodies work and what, what is best for them. But so I'm not about diets, uh, very much not about diets, but I grew up in the dieting culture. I grew up um, doing various diets one after the other. Um, and in, in my later years, I, you know, even being in practice, um, keto diet was very, very big for me. I used to recommend the keto diet to, you know, just about everybody that came um, through my clinic doors looking for a solution for weight. I personally used to use keto. It used to work really well, but it was still a diet. There were still restrictions around it. Um, and before that, I mean, we all know about Weight Watchers and, you know, then there's the like banana only diets or the um, the um, only drink water for three weeks diets, which is, you know, not that beneficial to you because there's no nutrition in that. There are just so many different diets and we have to look at what that culture has taught us about our body. And quite often the reason why we've gone on a diet in the past is because we're trying to achieve um, an image of something which may be unrealistic. You know, we're, we're striving to get a different body. Now, I get it um, that women, as they come through their menopause transition, start to put on weight for no, no, seemingly no reason, and they start to feel really uncomfortable in their body because, you know, particularly if there has been some changes and now they're a lot heavier than they were before. I understand that. But, and that's that's basically where I work with women. But as we were younger, there were all these, you know, we all used to get whatever, the Dolly magazines, the Cosmos, the Clios. And, um, you know, we, we used to look at these photos of the so-called perfect woman, which had generally been highly airbrushed. Um, and, you know, 
to make them look really, really good and that's on glossy paper. And that's what we all strived for. And in fact, you know, very few of us can have the body of say Elle McPherson because we don't, we're not genetically made that way. And there was also um, a message around that if you had a bigger body, that you were unhealthy. That's not necessarily so either because bigger doesn't mean unhealthy. Um, there are some bigger people in the world who are very strong and who are very healthy. You know, you can, we can um, look at, you know, people like Arnold Schwarzenegger, really, really big. He's really big. And yes, there was muscle there, but even now, without you know all the bodybuilding that he's he's used to do in the past he's still a very big man now we wouldn't we wouldn't look at him and say that he was unhealthy and possibly he is i don't know don't know anything you know i don't know anything about his lifestyle but you know and i think it was um, more accepted for men to be bigger than it is for women to be bigger there are very few role models um it, particularly in the past for bigger women um, and, you know, I know um, having watched, you know, I mean, you, we probably all did, we, we watched Oprah, who was probably one of the most well-known women in the world in, um, you know, the 80s, late 70s, and she struggled with her weight. And, you know, and that, and that was her message, that she was struggling with her weight, that she was unable to get her weight under control. And she would go on these diets and high-intense exercises. She would lose weight and then it would come back again. So this is what we grew up with. We grew up with the belief that being thin um, is healthy and that's not necessarily true, And but that's there. That belief system sits within us and I know it continues to sit in with me and I have to challenge it all of the time. There was also a focus, um, you know, in this time that we had to restrict diets, you know, it's like, as I said, you know, the banana, only bananas and don't eat um, certain foods after a certain time. And even keto, it's like, well, we've got to no, no carbs on keto. So we were basically, you know, restricting diets or then there was, you know, we get down to the 600 calories um, and, you know, and live on 600 calories, which isn't sustainable at all. It's totally not sustainable. We can do it for a short amount of time when we drop weight and then what happens afterwards? And this is where we've got to be start looking at what is the long-term effect of that. There was so much emphasis on low fat. Everything was low fat. Everything you, you bought in the shops was low fat, low fat yogurt, low fat cheese, low, low fat everything. Everything had a low fat um, label on it and that's what we went for. But what many women at the time didn't realize, and I'm thinking, uh, I'm hoping they're realizing now, is that when we take fat out, fat is really nice tasting, and we probably know that. When they take the fat out of foods, they generally replace it with either sugar, a processed, really highly processed sugar, or some other chemicals, additives, flavoring, so that it tastes nice. Because if it doesn't taste nice, we're not gonna eat it. So we get this low fat stuff, which really is a chemical concoction of sugar and other things just to get rid of the fat. Whereas in fact, sometimes we needed that fat. Fats in certain foods. So we look at milk, for example, fat naturally comes in milk. There's a reason for that. There's a reason why fat is in milk. And that's because it's got nutrition in it. You know, the cream has got lots of nutrition in it. It's high in vitamin D. We get 
higher in the calcium in the fat portion. But that doesn't mean I'm recommending that everybody go out and have full cream milk. You know, if you are going to have milk, yes, I would recommend that it's full cream. But um, milk in itself for some people is not a great option because for some people it's quite re um, quite inflammatory, can cause issues with the gut. Um, and can um, if you've got a body that tends to put on weight pretty easily, milk can actually do that because we've got to remember that milk that comes from cows is designed to grow small cows into big cows in a very short amount of time. So, yes, that milk has got growth factors in it as well, but um, not really going to get into that. That's more of the hormone stuff. But having um, you know low fat on everything causes an issue because to create hormones, we actually need a specific fat known as cholesterol. And once again, cholesterol has been demonised over the years that we need to have, keep our cholesterol levels really, really low. In fact, that's not necessarily true. And what, what is low and, you know, the reference ranges um, that are set now are set quite low. Um, but we need a healthy level of cholesterol because cholesterol is required to make certain hormones and in particular your reproductive hormones and your thyroid hormones. So if you're low in fat, which lowers down your cholesterol, then we're going to bring down those hormones. And right now, as you're coming through that menopause transition, you've already got hormones naturally dropping. So you don't want to lower them more because you don't have the raw material to create the, the primary hormone, which is known as DHEA. So this, and this is what low fat has given us. It's actually given us hormone imbalances. It's also given us gutting because we're not getting the right amount. We need fat in our diet, but we need fat that comes in a natural form. Nature doesn't make mistakes. So if we get a, a food that comes from nature and it's got fat in it, it was designed to be there. And when we eat it, we get the benefits from it. You know, and there, now we're into healthy fats and unhealthy fats. So healthy fats or beneficial fats will come from nature. The not so great fats uh, will be manufactured fats. And this is where we get into our seed oils and um, all things like that. And I might do another podcast on seed oils. I'm not going to get into that too much. But manufactured fats um, do come with health issues. Uh, and this was also an, another thing that kind of happened. We got to low fat and then people realised we needed some fat in our diets. So what happened then is then we were uh, being pushed to some of these manufactured fats, margarines with plant sterols to lower cholesterol, you know, completely made in a factory, no, no natural product in there as well. So that then causes bigger issues. But as I said, I'll go into, I'll do another podcast where I cover off um, seed oils and some of these manufactured um, uh, oils and fats. But the low fat era basically left us with um, a warped sense of the food that we should be eating and a fear of foods, uh, of certain foods, which really may be healthy for your body. It really depends on your body type and what's going on with your health. Uh, it left us with hormone imbalances. It left us with gut issues, amongst other things. Um, and then low fat is a restriction of certain food groups, but we also then got into the fear of carbs. Everybody had to not eat carbs. And, you know, I'm, I'm here with you. I was doing this when I was first in practice. This is some of the stuff that I was teaching my clients because it's what I was taught. It's not, it's not true. 
Um, so, and I now know better. And now as I know better, I'm teaching better. So I'm hoping I'm teaching better anyway. But, you know, the restriction of certain foods and um, certain food groups, uh, you know, carbs, you know, there was a fear of carbs. First, there was a fear of fat. Now there's a fear of carbs. And everyone's like, no carbs, no carbs, got to have lots of proteins, no, no carbs. And once again, you know, whether or not your body requires proteins or carbs does depend on your body. And this is a lot of the work that I do in identifying um, women's body types and understanding their genetics and how their body has been created as to whether or not having a high protein diet is great for them or maybe not so great for them. Do, you know, or are they a body that needs a lot of carbs or are they a body that needs not so many carbs? And this becomes very, very individual and it's personalized based on what your body requires. But once we, when we start restricting these different food groups, we do restrict, um, we can become deficient in certain nutri nutrients. And I mentioned vitamin D, calcium, magnesium, you know, across the board, uh, B vitamins, B12, if you, you know, you're, you're, you become, you're on a vegan diet, um, which is a little bit different to a vegan um, lifestyle choice, but there's still, there's still an issue with B12, but different reasons for um, eating that way. But there is still an issue with B12. It is essential that you supplement B12. Um, but, you know, we start to become deficient um, in key nutrients. And also quite often when we're eating, we're in this kind of diet culture, we tend to be eating more manufactured foods more processed foods because that's what low-fat foods are. That's what low-carb foods are. They are all manufactured and they don't have the nutrients that you get from eating food that is found in nature. Um, also, another thing, and I find this a lot with a lot of the women that I work with who come and do my Embrace program, a, a emphasis on counting calories and food tracking or even... Um, tracking hours of when you eat. There's, there, there can be a lot of stress around all of this. Now, totally, you know, the amount of food that we eat does make a difference, but it's more important that we look at the type of food that we're eating rather than the amount of food that we're eating. Because if we want to look at calories, you know, the calories in, say, a, uh, you know, a, a snack bar, might, and I'm just plucking some numbers out of, out of the air here, you know, it might be, say, it, it's a, a low-fat, low-calorie snack bar that when you buy from the supermarket and it tells you that it's um, only got um, 20, 20 calories in it. And so you eat that because that's low-calorie. Yet you could have a bowl of broccoli which maybe has 200 calories in it. Now, what do you think is the healthier option? That diet low-calorie bar or a bowl of broccoli? The bowl of broccoli has got a hell of a lot more nutrition in it, fibre in it, and things that your body needs. And even though it's got a higher calorie count, you need to be eating more of that, not of these low-calorie foods. So we have to be very careful about counting calories as well because, you know, the, the myth, there is no science around calories in versus calories out. There is no science that says that that's the way um, we need to be. Um, it's a total myth that um, you need to be um, balancing up the calories in versus the calories out. It depends on the quality of the calories. And, and if calories or kilojoules, exactly the same thing. And we also need to remember that this is actually a man-made 
artificial um, concept. Calories are not made in the body. Calories is something that has been measured outside of the body and it uh, measures the amount of calories is really energy. How much energy something can produce is measured in calories or kilojoules. That's happened outside of the body. It's something that we as humans have kind of uh, created. The body doesn't have a little counter inside of it that says, oh, you've, you've just put in 200 calories. Oh, you're burning up 300 calories. The body doesn't do that. The body wants nutrition. So if you fuel your body with nutrition and then you move your body to release that energy because then when you put nutrition, food, nutri nutritious food into your body, you've just put energy into your body. And if you then move your body to utilize that energy, which is what the body wants to do, then you're going to find that your body is healthy. But if you're, you keep consuming, you know, energy from all this food and you're not moving your body or sitting on your butt all day long and watching television, then that's going to that's going to stick. You know, and even if you are having, you know, a bowl of um, steamed broccoli and that's all you're eating, if you're not moving your body to utilise those calories, or sorry, utilise that energy, then that's going to cause a problem with your health. So it's about the quality of the food and it's about the quality of the movement. And once again, what's the right foods to be eating? Well, that depends on your body. Some bodies are thrive when they eat more vegetables and other bodies thrive when they eat more um, proteins. Other bodies thrive when they eat more carbohydrates. It's about identifying what your body requires. And that comes from understanding your genetics, your epigenetics and how your body has actually grown and developed. And this is the work that I do in the Embrace program. So all of this counting and, you know, food tracking is another thing. I'm not really big on food tracking where people write down every single thing that they do. Um, quite often I find that um, what happens a lot when uh, women are food tracking is they actually don't put in the little bits. Um, they only put in, you know, the big things they're eating, but they don't put in the tiny little bits that they might be nibbling on um, during the daytime. And food tracking um, I'm not big on it. I know some people like it because it give, you know, gives them something to look at, um, but we have to be careful of why is it that you're tracking it? Are you tracking, are you using food tracking as a tool to punish yourself or are you using it as a tool to keep yourself accountable? And are you putting everything onto that, um, on that food tracking? And then does, if you're using different apps for food tracking, is that then... Um, kind of bringing you back with calories in and calories out and all of that. And then so now you're looking at a whole pile of numbers, which you can then um, read and say, well, hang on, I'm not, there's something wrong with me. I'm not doing the right thing. And that's where I don't really, I'm not real keen on food, food tracking, particularly if it gets down to, you know, telling you about your calories. And I know that, you know, sometimes, some of these different apps and watches will do that and then it's kind of telling you that you've done the wrong thing because your calorie counts are out of balance and that, that happens from food tracking. So be very careful about around food tracking. Other, um, other things that we need to look at, and, um, with, and this is not directly diet culture, but um, it does kind of come along with it, and that's exercise, over-exercise and exhaustion. And I have seen this time and time again 
over the years and I have women who come to me and tell me, well, I'm, you know, I'm only eating, you know, a thousand calories a day and I'm going to the gym and I'm working out for two hours a day and I can't lose weight. In fact, I'm putting on weight. What's going on? This is a very, very common story. Now, what's going on is the body is stressed. And when the body is stressed, it actually holds on to weight because the primitive part of the brain goes, oh, my God, I'm not getting enough food. We're about to go into a famine. There's no nutrition coming in here. So it thinks it's actually it's actually about to start. It's going to starve. So it's going to hold on to everything. And then the other thing is when the over-exercising is coming, that same part of that brain says, my God, there's something chasing me. I've, I'm doing two hours exercise, high-intense exercise. I must be being chased. I better hold on to this you know, excess fat because I'm going to need that energy later on. And this happens all the time. And I've seen this time and time again. Um, it's just like this over-exercising and not eating enough. And it's, this is this whole culture that I just need to work harder. I need to eat less and work harder and I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to tell you that when you're coming through the menopause transition, that will not work. Maybe it worked when you were younger. It will not work when you're coming through the menopause transition because that is highly stressful for the body. It's stressful for the body when you're younger too, but you can get away with it. But as you're older, you cannot get away with it and that will not work. It is important that you're actually giving your body and enough nutrition that it requires to function and also, you know, move. And it's important that you don't use, you know, over-exercise in that you're actually now drawing more energy than your body's got. So this is where, it, this is about listening to your body, understanding how your body works, understanding when your body is has high energy, when it has low energy. And this is, you know, for exercise, is it better for you to be exercising first thing in the morning or is it better for you to be exercising later in the afternoon? It does make a difference. And this is one of the things that I found. I used to always do my exercise first thing in the morning. And it used to leave me with no energy for the rest of the day. It used to leave me with um, more in, um, injuries. And as I got as I got older, I got more and more injuries. It left me with a, um, a feeling that I just couldn't do this. There was something wrong with me because I couldn't keep up with everybody else. I used to do, you know, 5.30 a.m. boot camp and I struggled. Now I could do the exact same exercise in the afternoon and I would have plenty of energy. I don't have injury. And in fact, I could be stronger and faster than many of uh, many other people who are um, exercising at that time of the afternoon. This came with understanding how my body utilizes energy and how it works. The other thing we need to really look at too, and this becomes a bigger focus as we're coming into the, through this menopause transition, is like the anti-aging that comes along with the diets as well. You know, like we, we want to, um, you know, there's there's marketing campaigns out there telling us that we need to look younger and to look younger. Um, you know, it is about losing weight. It, it's about taking all these supplements. It's about putting all this stuff on our skin. And whilst it's not specifically around the diet culture, it is still the same way of thinking. It's still the same way of, you know, not listening to our body and, and kind of ignoring what our body has to say to us and trying to get to this ideal way of looking and living. Um, so, yeah, anti-aging, I hate the word anti-aging. Really, we are aging from the moment we are born. We are aging from the moment we are born every day we're a day older 
And why do we want to anti-age? Yes, when you get to your 40s, your 50s, your 60s, your body changes. It does. It changes because the hormones have changed. You will not get back the, the body that you had when you were 20. You will not get back the smooth skin that you had when you were 20. You know, and it doesn't matter how much stuff you put on your face, in your, in your body, you will not be 20 again. Embrace where you are right now because there is so much going on going on that is absolutely fantastic when it comes to coming through this stage of life. You get a wisdom. You get a I don't care really much about what other people think attitude. Things do change and we embrace that change and welcome that change because the opportunity now is for you to create something absolutely fantastic for the next half of your life. And, you know, probably just as I um, finish up on, you know, the diet culture and, and what it's done to us over the last few years, you know, it's left many women with um, a sense of shame around their body, a guilt around their, you know, food choices. You know, how often do you go out and, um, you know, you eat something and then you feel guilty about it afterwards? Look, if you're going out and you're going out with friends and, you know, it's it's an event and you have a bit of, you know, a chocolate cake or a brownie or something like that, enjoy it. Don't feel guilty about it. The guilty, the guilt adds more stress. And when you've got stress, you won't digest your food properly and you then you're basically more likely to hold that as fat. Enjoy it. Enjoy being around people. Enjoy, and you'll probably find that you don't eat as much if you're sitting there talking and having a chat and connecting with others. Just you know, if you're not doing it every day, no, it's a different thing if every single day you're, you know, you're eating a massive great big cake or brownie or something for morning tea and, um, you know, that's that's something different. But it's about, you know, enjoy your food and don't go, if you're going to have, if you're going to have chocolate, have real chocolate. Don't have that fake stuff. Um, darker the better because um, the, the milk chocolate tends to be very high, has, tends to be higher in sugar. It's not real, you know, it's not, it's, further away from what cacao is. But, you know, you're having a 70% chocolate. That's fine. You know, that's not a problem. You're going to ha have something, you know, don't, don't have things that are, you know, a low-fat brownie. For Christ's sakes, enjoy a real brownie, you know, and don't feel guilty about it. You're not doing it every single day. It's really important that we get a better relationship around food. Food is designed for nourishment, it's, for some people, it is pleasure. For some people, it is energy. For some people, it is fuel. And it is different for everybody. And once again, this comes into understanding your body and why your body requires, um, why it requires food. And when you can understand that, then you, you can take away the guilt that comes with food. You know, if you've got a body that requires you know, certain foods for fuel, you know, that's going to help you move and do everything that you need to do. It's, you know, some, there are some bodies that require carbs to fuel their brain. These people are very, very focused. They're highly thinking all of the time. And the carbs actually help their brains to work properly, to keep them that laser focus, because that's what they need. So telling them to go on a low carb diet basically is dulling down their brain. This is where understanding we are all different and then accepting who we are and accepting where you are. 
in your life. Yes, your body is going to get softer. If you've been putting on weight due to through the menopause transition, it is possible when you understand your body to actually reverse that. Now, I'm not saying going on a diet. It's about starting to listen and become more intuitive to what your body wants. It's not about restriction. It's about understanding the foods that make your body thrive and those that don't. Now, if you want to know a little bit more about this, um, I've got an ebook called The Secret to Getting Rid of Your Meno Belly. Um, and it is really all about understanding the different types of you know, bodies that we've got and understanding the health types, what, what I call the health types. And, you know, whether or not having um, a high protein diet is better for you or, sorry, eating foods that are high protein. See, I drop back into that word diet quite often as well um, because that was my training and that's also that culture that I grew up with. But I do try to correct myself. So, you know, is eating um, foods that are higher in protein better for you or, or is having... Um, the foods that have got more vegetables, meals that have got more vegetables, is that better for you? That's what I go into in this ebook and helping you identify what body type you might have and then what the best options for you um, are when it comes to food, movement, and other things around life. Now, you can grab that ebook at a bit.ly forward slash menobelly underscore ebook. So bit.ly forward slash menobelly underscore ebook, all in small, not in big letters, all in small letters. If you go over there, put your details in there, and then I will send you a copy of that ebook. And it's going to get you started understanding how bodies are different and how there is no one single solution that's going to work for everybody. But it's going to get you getting a little bit more connected to what your body requires you know, when it comes to nutrition, when it comes to movement, when it comes to lifestyle. So hopefully um, this has been maybe hopefully an enlightening podcast for you, maybe the things that you've never really considered before and how, you know, that, that diet culture and those beliefs around diet might be impacting you now as you're coming through the menopause transition. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends, um, family, any woman that who basically over the age of 40 who is maybe struggling um, as they're coming through the menopause transition. The more women that start to understand this, that there is another way, that it is possible to thrive in menopause. You know, what I've been talking about today, yes, I've been focusing on the food and movement and, you know, the diet culture, but all of this also impacts any other symptoms that you might have. The food that you're eating can impact um, symptoms like joint pain and body aches and pains. It can impact your sleep. It can impact hot flushes. It can have such, you know, food is, you know, it's fundamental. It's what our body requires to function at its best. And if your body isn't functioning at its best, we need to start looking at what foods you're eating and whether or not they are beneficial for your body. Now, sometimes... I've got women who say, but I eat a healthy diet and I'm not doubting that. But is it healthy for what your body requires? Does your body maybe require a little bit more protein? Does your body require a little bit more carbs? Does your body require a little bit more uh, of specific vegetables? You know, it, it can get gets very, very detailed. And when we start to look at exactly what it is your body requires, 
You know, people would say kale is a healthy food. It's healthy for some. For other people, it is not healthy at all. So, we're, you know, these generalizations about what is healthy, uh, we, it's important that you start to understand what is healthy for you. And that's the work that I do. And grab my ebook, and that's the first step to starting to understand it. And you will, you know, then once you're, you get the ebook, you'll be on the journey with me, and I'm going to share a lot more information about how you can understand more about your body, what your body requires, so that you can thrive in the next stage of life. So that's it from me. Thank you very much for joining me, and I'll be back with the next episode very, very soon. Bye for now.